the Ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Ortho PAC. I'm glad you could join us today. We've had some scheduling changes early on. We do have a lot of guests coming up, but we had some scheduling changes and we had to do a last minute talk. So I decided to come up with a little topic. I hope you enjoy it. Today, I wanted to talk about a few orthopedic eponyms. And for those of you that don't know what an eponym is, it's something like a disease or a fracture that was named after someone and how a person's name became associated with a condition. I think you might find it entertaining. I enjoyed doing it. And if you like it, we might do some more down the road. If we jump right in and let's go old school. How did the calf tendon get the name Achilles? Well, given that I took Greek mythology in undergraduate, I know the answer to this. Achilles' mom, Thetis, who is a sea nymph, dipped him in the river Styx, completely dunked the guy all the way down his foot and everything, except for the spot that she was holding on to. I guess the Achilles tendon did not get the clear coat, and there you go with the Achilles heel, the Achilles tendon, etc. That was the one spot where he could be shot with a poison arrow that would kill him. Next up, a Sagand fracture. And by the way, these are no particular order. This is just kind of what came to my mind. I actually just had a patient with one of these, and I was showing the x-ray to a young colleague. So a Sagand fracture is an avulsion or a chip fracture off the lateral tibia tubercle. The reason why it's so significant is it has a very high correlation, as high as 100%, depending on the study, with ACL tears and probably 60-70% of medial meniscus tears. Dr. Sagan published a correlation between these avulsion fractures and associated ACL and medial meniscus tears by doing experiments on cadavers. One thing I found interesting when I was researching this, yeah, I didn't know all this stuff off the top of my head. I did research it, but Dr. Sagan was an OBGYN as well as a knee expert, and I just find that to be quite an interesting co-discipline. Maybe that would be an interesting podcast to talk about physicians that actually practice a couple of different types of medicine. Something to think about. Next is a Montasia and its close kin, a Galeazzi fracture. A Montasia fracture is a dislocation of the radial head and associated proximal third ulnar diaphysis fracture. It's more common in pediatrics, 5 to 10-ish. A Galeazzi fracture, on the other hand, is of the distal third of the radial diaphysis with an injury to the distoradial ulnar joint. So how did these fractures get their names? Dr. Montagia was an Italian physician in the early 1800s who initially described the injury. There have been subsequent revisions and categories added for the different directions of the radial head dislocations and fracture patterns. I would tell you more about Dr. Montagia, but his article that I found is cited in Italian, so I don't speak Italian, so that's as far as I got with that. Dr. Galeazzi is also an Italian orthopedist from Milan and originally reported his fracture pattern and dislocation in the early 1930s, and it was based on his experience with the number of patients that he had treated. Moving south toward the foot, list Frank fractures and dislocations. Probably most of you have heard of these injuries. In general, it's a sprain or a rupture of the ligaments that connect the mid and the forefoot, and often the fractures and sometimes even dislocations at the base of the medial metatarsals. Dr. Liz Frank was a French physician who treated cavalry soldiers in Napoleon's army in the 
1800s, apparently it was a very common injury for troops falling off their horse. There are varying severities of these injuries, and more often than not, at least in my experience, require evaluation, and it's not uncommon that they have surgical repair by a fellowship-trained foot specialist. So, yeah, if you see somebody that has a really significantly swollen foot with, you know, a questionable dislocation fracture there, they need more studies and they need to see somebody that knows how to repair these. A grassy x-ray of the shoulder. So a grassy x-ray, I'm sure everybody knows this, that works in orthopedics. It's designed to visualize the glenohumeral joint. And the way it's done is that the patient's body is rotated 30 to 40 degrees toward the contralateral shoulder. And that places the glenohumeral joint parallel to the x-ray beam. It's also called an oblique view of the shoulder. Dr. Grashi is one of the founding fathers of radiology. A German, he published articles about bone radiology and positioning as early as 1905. If you think back on this, who knows how much lead they were using, how much protection they were using. Uh, I think they had sources of radiation back in the day. And so they have cadavers and they're doing all these positions to visualize the different structures in the joints. Pretty interesting stuff. Freiburg's infarction. Freiburg's infarction is avascular necrosis of the second metatarsal head of the foot. It's thought to be a genetic issue as well as associated with poorly fitted shoes, but nobody really knows for sure, i.e. it's idiopathic. So Dr. Freiburg went to school in Ohio in the early 1900s and served in World War I as a surgeon. His name is eponymous with this condition that he described in 1914 in a series of six young patients that he was treating. Last one today, and I hope you've enjoyed this little trip down history lane. Pes anserinus and pes anserine bursitis. Goose or duck foot? Really? I mean, come on. Can we be a little bit more original? So someone thought that the three-part conjoined tendon of the semi-T, gracilis, and sartorius attachment on the medial tibia looks like a duck's foot. You know, okay. Uh, it's tried and true orthopedic term, but I mean, trying to explain this to a patient, they're like, uh, okay, they just move on. Let's go to the next thing. So I don't really know who to give credit to this one, but I would hope that my FNM would be something else. So with that being said, listeners, that's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this, a little bit of entertainment and trip down history lane. Thank you for joining the ortho PAC podcast. Please follow the Physician Assistance in Orthopedic Surgery on social media. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Please subscribe to our podcast. If this has been helpful, please take a moment to leave a review.